This is episode 34 of The Focused Mindset. Today, you get to listen in on a conversation that I had with the host of the Details podcast with Elliot and Adam and a solution-focused expert, Elliot Connie. The biggest practical step is do not tell someone you love what they can't be. If you love them, don't tell them what they can't be. You've been upgraded to Parenting 2.0. New expectations requires a new mindset, the focused mindset. I'm Cher Kretz. I'm a school counselor and a family mindset coach. Raising kids is an amazing journey and things don't always turn out as planned. Still, you get to share your life with an adult in training. This podcast will help you meet every new challenge with confidence and be the best version of yourself in your home and with the people you love. Hello, my friends and the Focused Mindset community. Welcome. And if you're new here, I'm so glad you could join us. Don't forget to hit subscribe on this podcast so you don't miss any of the family-oriented content that we have here. And take a look at the show notes. I always leave tons of helpful links and the link to my website, thefocusedmindset.com. What's coming up for you is a lot of information from the beginning to the end. First, we talk about how to reframe problems, how to help our children reach their full potential, and how to deal with the fears that creep up, not only in us, but in our children. And then we have a discussion at the end about couples and how to strengthen our relationship with our significant other to help our families be strong through every stage of our life. And we're going to touch on all of this, looking at it through the lens of a solution-focused family mindset. And as you're listening, I bet you're going to want to share this episode. You're going to think of someone that could really use this. I give you full permission to share this however you want on your social media, email, whatever. Really, my goal is to get the word out there and get information out there to families that need it. And your podcast platform makes it really easy. You just scroll down and you hit the share button and then you decide where you want to share it and out the episode goes and Uh, Sharing this podcast is an important way to help it spread. That and, of course, leaving a review. Leaving a review on Apple is one of the greatest ways to show the algorithm that this is the type of information that needs to be pushed out on the family platforms. And so you can support the focused mindset by doing just that. But without any further delay, let's get into this episode. I'm welcoming Elliot Connie to the show. He's a psychotherapist, author, lecturer, founder, and president of the Solution Focused University. I am glad that you're here with us. How are you today, Elliot? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great as well. It's uh, a busy time of the year heading on to next year coming up soon. And I just wanted to take a minute to slow it down and have a talk with you about uh, just how things are in life right now, how we can move forward with hope. And I think you're the perfect person to share that message. Before we do that, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Just give us a little insight on what you do. Um, Yeah, so my name's Elliot Connie, and I'm pretty awesome. There you go. 
<laughs> He's pretty no, awesome I, I, and humble. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you cannot own your strengths. Um, right. I, so like you said, I'm a psychotherapist. I practice here in Texas. I've been doing, practicing, writing, and teaching solution-focused brief therapy for about 15 years now. And I started doing it because when I was in graduate school, all of the other psychotherapy approaches I would hear about, I, I couldn't imagine myself doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I eventually heard about solution focus. And I was like, oh, I can imagine myself doing that. And the more I learned about it, the more I studied it, the more I fell in love with the approach and the more I fell in love with, with um, the way this approach worked. And I remember... I just thought, man, I want to, I want to share what I'm experiencing and what I'm noticing as I practice solution-focused therapy. I never in my entire life ever anticipated I would write books or give lectures, any of that stuff. It just came from my desire to share with people and share what I was experiencing, what was standing out to me and all that kind of stuff. And, and it led to my first book I've now written for, and it's, you know, super exciting. You know, before the pandemic, I spent most of my time going to different countries. And I, I just, probably the most dominant part of my personality is when I get passionate about something, I just, I get on fire about wanting to share it. Like I'm the person that like, if I find a good recipe, I want to cook it for everybody that I know and love. And if, if I, you know, it, I just like to share these things. And I think solution-focused brief therapy is the greatest thing to share because it gives so many people hope. It helps so many people change and helps so many people become their best selves. And uh, that excites me, that, that, that drives me. I find that many people I talk to at the very beginning when I say, you know what, let's talk about your best hope or something. They want to focus for a long, long time on the problem that's happening. And it takes them a little while to understand the joy and the opportunity of speaking about a preferred future. And I don't know, have you ever had that happen where you're working with people and you see that it takes a while? And what would you say to people that maybe are get stuck talking with the problems and want to move towards a solution-focused approach in their life. I, I just think that that's what human beings do. And I, I think we all do it. And I don't, I don't want, so here, this is going to really surprise you. I don't, I don't think it helps people to try to move towards a solution-focused approach to living life. Uh, because I actually think being negative and being, um, and being aware of problem, all of that kind of stuff is actually important, right? So, so think about it like this. If I were a, um, if I were alive in like caveman times and a big saber toothed tiger is coming up to me, I should probably not go, oh, look at that cute cat. You know, I need to be aware of the things around me. What I do think is important as it relates to a solution focused perspective is understanding my strengths as it relates to the attainment of an outcome. Right. Right. So, so what what I, so human beings are negative. That's what we do. All of us do it. You do it. I do it. We do it. That's, that's what human beings do. Um, But what I think really is damaging and what I hope solution focused brief therapy can eradicate is we are, when we're negative about our own skill sets as it relates to an ability to accomplish a task. Mm. So someone like you, you at some point had the idea, like I'm going to create a podcast. And I think that it's great that you followed through on that idea because here we are right now sitting, talking on your podcast. What I'm so sad about is all of the ideas that are in like 
the cemetery of ideas because someone had an idea about themselves. Like I want to create a podcast, but no one will listen to me. I don't have anything to share. And, and they, they don't pursue the outcome that they actually want. Yes. So I, I hope more than anything else, like people can be negative and they can focus on problems. That's what problems do. And that's kind of the human experience. But when you start thinking to yourself, like, I want to become a lawyer, then go become a lawyer and recognize, recognize that I should be aware of my own skills and my own traits and the abilities that make me who I am. And that potentially could make me a lawyer. And I know a lot of people that tell me when I was a child, I wanted to be X. And I'm like, then why didn't you become it? Like, why you, sh you should become the thing that you're wanting to become. And I think very often, we are so much more aware of our problems and our flaws and our faults and our negativities that it gets in the way of our potential. Yes. And what I think solution-focused brief therapy does is it causes people to have a heightened awareness of their awesomeness so they don't have to be held back by their flaws. And that does make a lot of sense because we are going to notice the things around us. And sometimes noticing the very negative things around us are the things that drive us towards a brighter future in general as it is. And I find that you hit on a very important subject where it's our limiting beliefs many times that might stop us from moving forward. I recently did a podcast that some of you may have listened to on confirmation bias. And the thing that people struggle with is sometimes staying in a place of listening to, I guess you could say, voices that are around them that, that are not speaking the truth instead of listening to that intuitive self that you just talked about saying, hey, maybe I want to be a lawyer. And then how do people, how would you suggest that people in their life walk forward from that and look for other people that are going to give them a different type of confirmation bias and that kind of thing? But you, you have to find excuses to succeed. Like, we find excuses to fail all the time. You have to actively find excuses to succeed. So if I have a goal, and let's say my goal is like to write a book, right? Which I'm currently doing then. There are tons of reasons that I can give myself permission to fail. It's a big project. I'm really tired. I'm not traveling as much, so I don't have as much kind of energy and, and, and um, I'm not seeing as many clients Face, I'm not saying any clients face to face. So that inspiration, like there's all kinds of re like you have the reasons to not succeed are in front of you constantly. What you have to do is find excuses to succeed. Mm -hmm. And that sounds like once you have a project or once you have a goal, or once you have something you're trying to accomplish, then the next thing you do is you sit down and you literally have a conversation with yourself about like, what are all of the reasons that this could actually occur? And really honestly spend time thinking about the other side of the accomplishment because when you think about the outcome that you would gain from accomplishing a goal then it makes it increases motivation exponentially when someone sits down and they have that talk with themselves um part of that ability to step away from maybe negativity that's around them is to look at the reason at the very end. What is possible at the end of this? What are the reasons I would do this? And what does this make possible? 
I know that for me with a lot of my uh, clients and a lot of the families I work with, after we explore, I'll just say, well, what would that make possible for you? And many people stop short of that. And that might be the reason we find so many people that say, well, at one time I thought I was going to be fill in the blank and then I ended up in my life doing something else is because they don't let their thoughts move to that completion of the reason why it, it's in, inside of them to do. And um, do you have, how did you come about, um, you know, did you ever have a story or anything you could share with our listeners about how you personally went, got over some of those challenges in your life? Yeah, I just, I just realized, it's funny you mentioned confirmation bias. I realized that everybody who's ever said something negative about me was lying. Mm. that's what I realized. I love because, that. Because what we, what we do, if you said to me, like, Elliot, I want to become an astronaut. And I said to you, oh, you can't do that. What I realized was I'm actually not talking about your abilities. I'm talking about my perception of my abilities, which makes it an untruth. Right. So literally, I learned along my, my life and along the, the journey I've been on, Every single person who ever said negative things about my capacity to accomplish a goal was wrong because they were not talking about my skill set. They were talking about their perception of theirs. So in essence, if I didn't have time to become an astronaut as a, as a single mom, then you can't do it. But that's, that's entirely not true. You have no idea what I'm capable of. No clue. So unless you spend time around me and accurately and appropriately assess my, my heart and my drive and my capabilities and my strengths, then you are not in a position to tell me what I can't do. The only way, the only way I can figure out what I can or can't do is to go out and try to find the limit. So like, I'm going to go and try to become an astronaut and I will discover whether or not I can do it or not. And, and, I, and, and that's literally the only way you can figure it out. We spend our time listening to people, like, because that's how confirmation bias works. We talk from the perspective with which we believe. So if people tell me I can't become something, thank you for showing me your bias, but you have to sit and watch and figure out what my biases are, because I'm going to go out into the world, I'm going to do the thing I just told you I'm going to do, and I'm going to figure out if it was doable or not. And I have done things that go way beyond my, my expectation for myself. Like I, I have gotten myself in a position, I run the largest solution-focused training organization on the planet. I have written four books. I have lectured about solution-focused brief therapy on every single continent on the planet that has people. Not Antarctica, they don't have more people. But every <laughs> continent that has people, I have lectured on that continent. The way that that happened, it wasn't even a plan. I didn't, I did, when I was in graduate school, I didn't say like, oh, I want to write these many books and I want to give this many lectures. And I want to run the, the largest training organization in the mm-hmm. field. I said to myself, I just want to go figure out who I am. I want to go figure out what I'm capable of. And I, the only way to do that is just go do stuff. And while you're doing stuff, I just started accomplishing things. So now I just turned 44 years old and I look back and I'm like, this is way beyond yeah. my expectations. Like people ask me, Elliot, is your, is your life, is it everything you dreamed it would be? And I always tell people, no, it is not. 
because I didn't dream this far. Right. So I, I can't even tell you that my life is what I dreamed it would be because I left that behind years ago. I am now in territory that I didn't allow myself to dream about when I was a 20 year old kid. Um, and the only way that I did that is just by like going out and doing and mm -hmm. doing leads to discovery. Never let anybody else's words stand in the place of your discovery. When I'm working with families on a coaching aspect, to be honest, Elliot, a lot of people, <clears throat> they find that they have ways of parenting, ways of approaching the things that go on in their family that doesn't produce the results that they want in their kids. For instance, if you uh, take traditional punishment and traditional, even positive punishment, a lot of times it spends a lot of time dissecting and unpacking what the child is doing wrong. You know, here's what you're doing wrong. You tell me what you're doing wrong. Write a sentence about what you're doing wrong. And that they, they do that because they honestly feel that that's the correct approach. And it's very eye-opening to parents to begin to open their mind to a different type of approach to helping their families grow into the people that they're meant to be, whatever that is, because we don't know what our kids are going to accomplish in their life, but we yeah, know Yeah, but that's that, scary. Yeah, but that's it is scary. scary. People, have, people have a hard time doing it. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why people have a hard time doing it. Do you, do you have children? Can I ask you that? Yes, I do. I have three children. So I speak from experience, both sides. Yes. What, can I ask you how old your oldest is? I well, my oldest, my oldest has moved on. No, my, my listeners know I talk about my kids all the time. My oldest are not kids anymore, 23 and 21. And then I have a younger one that's 12. Okay. You know what? All right. I'm going to pick on the 12 year old. This all is, right, let's do it. This is, this is what we do. And, and I just want to say, I completely agree with everything you just said. Right. But, but there's, here's the fly in the ointment that makes it difficult for people to do this. If your 12-year-old came home and said, Mom, I want to go to Harvard, most people, well, you're in California, so I want to go to Stanford. We'll say Stanford. Yeah, we'll pick Stanford. <laughs> <laughs> um, most people will be like, Stanford is really hard to get into. Let's be a realist here. Yeah. Right. So I need to protect you from disappointment. So I say things like, you know what? That's a great goal, my young 12-year-old daughter. But let's also pick some other schools that are kind of like fallback schools. And what I think, in order to truly buy into a solution-focused like parenting mindset, you have to believe, A, you have to believe two things in order to be able to do this. The first one is I have to believe my young 12-year-old daughter can become a student at Stanford. So that's number one, that they have the capacity and they have the skill set to accomplish that very difficult task. The second thing I have to believe, if should they fail, they have the strength to deal with failure. Oh, yes. That's and true. then we are no longer feeling like we have to protect my child from failure. We now just become the advocate of my child's goals. Mm -hmm. And if they fail, we'll just fix that along the way. But we oftentimes think we're doing our children a service by, by protecting them from the pain and hurt of disappointment. When once you do that, you are now moving away from a solution-focused operation system. The moment you start trying to protect people from failure, 
you're expressing to them like second, you're making the secondary expression that I don't believe you can handle failure and you can. And that is so powerful what you just said there because parents have so many fears. I mean, just even about themselves, like I'm going to do something that's going to screw my child up. You know, they, they sit and go through that type of mind, uh, mind boggling thing anyway, when they're, you know, I don't know, sitting at home and what pops in their mind. Oh my gosh, did I forget to, oh, is that going to screw them up? We're living with our own set of fears of parenting in general. And then on top of that, exactly what you hit on when our child comes to us, then all of these things are swirling through our mind that then we're, oh, we got to protect our little one. We got to protect our little one. And that you're right. That is a barrier to parents being able to sit down and have a conversation with their child that'll help them um, release those limits from their life and be the person they were meant to be. That's correct. Yeah. What are some practical tips that you would think of that can help a parent if they're struggling with those very fears? I, I don't know how practical it is, but I, I will say, well, first of all, there's a, there's, a, there's a really popular, or at least it was a really popular movie where you can see this happening in real time. And the movie was called The Pursuit of Happiness, okay. uh, starring Will Smith. Yes. And there's a scene in that movie where he's playing basketball with his son. Mm-hmm. And his son said, I want to go in the NBA. And Will Smith said, most of the people in our family are not athletic, so you probably need to pick a different goal. And then he, he caught himself and he said, don't ever let anybody tell you what you can't be. Mm-hmm. So when you, when, when you say like, what's the practical habits, develop the habit of not telling your children what they cannot be. Catch so if your child says, I want to be the president, how do you know you're not talking to the future president? Like you have no way of knowing. That goes back to what I said earlier. The only way to confirm what your skills are is to go try to accomplish a task and then see whether or not you did it or not. Mm-hmm. So some 12-year-old kid could walk up to me right now and say, I want to be the president of the United States. How could I possibly know whether or not I'm talking to the future president unless they, the only thing that will tell me that is the process of time unfolding, Yes. right? And I, and I think... The biggest practical step is do not tell someone you love what they can't be. That's the practical step, I would say. If you love them, don't tell them what they can't be. If you love a family member, don't tell them what they can't be. And that right there, you need to, I really believe that people can choose to tell themselves something different than what they've been telling themselves before by replacing that. So... So what, you, what a parent might do in this scenario is identify that statement, like you mentioned in that movie with Will Smith, identify that statement that wants to roll through your mind and choose to replace it with, I do not limit my child or I do not limit my family members that I love from being whatever they might be or whatever sentence would help them. Because I feel like you really hit on something powerful. It's really great to have the motivation inside of your heart and see the benefits in, in a whole new world, if you will, for someone who doesn't know very much about solution focus and they see a little bit of success in it and they see their child actually make their bed in the morning and come downstairs excited for breakfast just because of a few things that they tweaked. And then the fear sets right. in. And then all of the human nature sets in and it threatens our ability to continue with that practice, doesn't it? Yes. And fear is useless. Um, Fear is present, 
but it's useless. So don't use it. It's, it's not an appropriate way to make decisions. It's not an appropriate way to live your life. It's not an appropriate way to pursue your goal. Um, fear is just completely and totally useless. Um, so don't use it. The sooner we realize that, the better. Yeah, fear is, fear is like pouring orange juice in the gas tank of your car. Like it, it's just useless. It doesn't, it doesn't do anything. So why would you use it to fuel yourself? Yes. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's silly to me. It's backwards, but it feels right. It, it shouldn't feel no. right. But parents are, I think, programmed to kind of say, oh, 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 you know, from their little kid, but, don't fall over. You might fall if you're tripping. And it's like, no, let's turn that around. Right. But see, I'm going to, so I don't think it feels right. I think it feels comfortable. Comfortable. We have to separate, Thank you. We have yes. to separate the two because sometimes doing what's right is doing what is very like for here's a great example sometimes doing what's right is incredibly uncomfortable and anybody listening to this who's ever played golf knows what i'm <laughs> saying have you ever played golf Cheryl? You yeah it's extremely uncomfortable the few times i have like no straighten your arm no move tweak <laughs> exactly. your body the way you stand over a golf ball with the proper golf stance so is incredibly uncomfortable <laughs> but it is the right way to do it so sometimes we have to do uncomfortable things yes. because it is the right thing to do. And oftentimes fear leads us to what's comfortable, but never to what's right. Yeah. Fear is useless. Right. And, fear I'm is useless. and I'm glad that we're taking a minute to focus on the reality that as humans, we are going to need to realize that on purpose and do something about it. Or we might waste a month of our life or longer thinking about fears that are useless. I'm counseling a lot of kids that have a large amount of anxiety about just going outside, let alone going back to school. And uh, uh, that's because a lot of times the adults have been going out. They've been going out and doing what they need to do. They come home to their child that stays home. And there's a gap right now with the child's fear. They are very fearful about the things they've seen on television or they hear about the parents or they hear about another friend has COVID and this person and that person. And that's been a big challenge for me that I'd love to discuss with you about how to help them move past those fears. Yeah. So I'm going to, so I'll say a couple of things about that. So this pandemic has been an interesting thing and I'll be very honest with you. So I've had a really difficult start to my life. So I tend to I tend to think differently about hardships than other people. In a weird way, the pandemic, I mean, this might sound crazy, but 2020 in a lot of ways has been the best year of my adult life. When I say that to people, they're like, how can you say that? And I, like I'll say two things, two things. Number one, hard times reorient your focus onto things that actually matter. So like we are not entitled to trips to our, to Disney world. We are not entitled. So like, these are times where we have to enjoy the experience of the things that actually matter. And the, the lockdown, which I don't enjoy. Like I would, I would much rather get on a plane and fly somewhere and go visit people. But I, I have to be honest and say, but the reprioritization of my focus, I think has served me well in 2020 because now I'm reaching out to friends that I haven't reached out to before uh, because I wasn't going slow enough to even like attend to them. So, so now like the things that I do in my life are much more about like what actually really in my core mm -hmm. matters. 
Yes. So, and I, th- I think we have to talk to kids about like, here's what actually matters. And here's what life is really about. Because life is not about um, how many restaurants you can go to. Because to be honest with you, this pandemic has been rough and it's taken a lot away from us, but it hasn't taken away the things that actually matter in our core. In fact, it's given us the opportunity to show each other how much we care. Uh, because I'm going to go visit family, but I'm going to be wearing a mask and I'm not going to go in the home and I'm going to be standing like 12 feet away from them. And that's my way of showing how much I care and love you because I'm not willing to put you at risk. Yes. And I, and I think, I think we have to shift our focus on what hardships mean. Instead of just focusing on everything that we lost, we should focus on the opportunities that are now availed to us. Mm. And I now have an opportunity to show people in my life how much they actually matter to me because I'm doing demonstratively demonstrative things that show them that I care. And to talk to kids about like core values and to talk to kids about what actually matters and to spend time with kids. Like I have a friend who would also tell you that this has been a very like positive year for him. And people will ask him like, what are you talking about? And he, he, he had a really busy job before the pandemic. When the pandemic hit, uh, he decided to change his job. So he now works from home in his new job. And he's like, I have lunch and dinner with my children every day. Yeah. And I realize like his oldest child is like 15. He's like, I missed so much mm. just by the act of going to work every day. I'm not even talking about like one of those jobs where you work 19 hours a day, but like he lives in a city where there's a lot of traffic, as you probably know about in Anaheim. Yes, <laughs> um, yes. So he would drive to work. He'd leave for, his, for work at like 6.30 in the morning. And it was about a, it was a 17 mile commute that took him an hour and a half every morning. Mm-hmm. So he'd get to work at like eight. And then he gets home at like 6.30 and he gets home and he has dinner with his children sometimes because sometimes they've already eaten and he eats out of the microwave. Sometimes they're tired at that point and they're not, that's not their best self time. He spends an hour or two with the kids and then they go to bed. That was his life. Mm -hmm. And now in the pandemic, he's working from home and he jokes that his commute is now 12 feet because he just walks downstairs in the basement where his office is and he's gotten much closer to to his family. So what should we be talking about? Not just to kids, but what should we be talking yeah. to each other about is the opportunities that are still present that no pandemic could ever take away, right? Yes. That, that no, nothing could ever take away because we still have each other and we still have opportunity to express that love. And maybe now it's through a mask and maybe now it's over Zoom or maybe now it's across, we have to show that love across six feet, but we still have those opportunities and we should cherish that. I think the focus moving from all moving away from all the things that were lost to all the things that were gained is so important for us to do on purpose with our kids because I have talked a lot to adults like you that have been able to begin to process the gifts that were hidden that we didn't realize would happen by exactly like you said, maybe being at home more often or dinners needing to be at home and, and a lot more things like that. But I don't know if you've noticed this, but sometimes we forget that we need to talk to our kids about that. 
that might yes. not automatically be happening within them. This isn't something that they're innately going to come to. When I sat down with my 12-year-old recently and had a similar discussion, um, she said, well, I don't see anything that I would have, that, you know, I, I had to ask her like, well, what are some of the things that you're thankful for that you've been able to have in the last few months or whatever the question was? And she's all, well, I, I have a real hard time seeing anything but bad about not being able to start seventh grade. And then we kind of started talking about seventh grade and just some of the things that she's been able to do here instead of what would have happened there. By the end of that conversation, she was able to expand her mind to understanding that there were, there was more, but isn't that something that families need to kind of be cognitive and do on purpose for their children? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. We have to do it intentionally. Like we, we have to, we have to have a level of intentionality and say to people, um, I'm going to talk to, and again, not just kids, but we're going to talk to each other, each other, the whole family as a unit. Right. And, and friends, peers, I mean, everybody, we, we, we need to talk as if we can get through this and we know that we can. So since we're going to get through this, we might as well focus on the lessons that we're learning. We might as well focus on the opportunities that are present. We might as well focus on all kinds of things. Like this podcast would not be happening, or at least I wouldn't be on this podcast. Oh, I'd be in a totally pandemic different had happened. Yeah. Even if I'd be doing the podcast we wouldn't have the opportunity that we have to sit right here, right? That's right. If you had emailed me a year ago, it would have taken me a month to get back to you because I was on planes and I was all like, so like, we need to just sit down and always realize that uh, life is cherishable because it's life. Even in a pandemic, it's still life. Well, let's go back to what you had said when you just started this, this part of our conversation. How is it that you're making a correlation in your mind about uh, your childhood and this pandemic. Why is it that you're making that correlation? You feel like it's looked at differently for you because of that. Uh, because I've proven to myself I can handle hard things. Um, there's a there's a the guy who created one of the guys who created narrative therapy is a guy named Michael White, and I got to spend some time around Michael White uh, two days before he passed away. Wow. Uh, one of the things he said was if you want to know how to get over hard things, just look in the rearview mirror to see all of the hard things you've gotten over before. And I am someone, like when I got on this call, you said introduce yourself, so I'm Elliot Connie and I'm pretty awesome. Um, that's actually not a joke. Like if I don't believe in my own ability to be awesome, then what's the point of like doing anything else? And people say that sounds arrogant. I don't care. If, if, if me being aware of my strength makes you uncomfortable, then be uncomfortable. Uh, because, and the way, the reason why I believe that so strongly is because I almost committed suicide as a young person because I was so aware of my flaws. Mm. And that's what happens when you get like beaten and yelled at and criticized and screamed at and all those things as a child, I started feeling worthless. So I will never allow myself to feel that way again, ever. Yeah. So when this pandemic happens, I just, I now am aware that I have proven to myself that I can do hard things. I, I can make it through very difficult things. And I genuinely believe if I can make it through roughly 15 years of, ab of abusive parenting, I can handle however long I need to sit in my home office. And if I think about it, being like locked in this home is actually not, there's a whole lot worse cir circumstances I could find myself in. And That's I'm 100% confident I can do this as long as I need to do it. So 
it sounds to me like you quickly made that correlation to say, you know what, I've been through hard things before. This is just one more hard thing and let's just move forward and find the joy in that. That's exactly right. I, I, I'm aware that I am, I am tested. And um, if you think about it, I don't think any generation, like if you're going to live the average life expectancy somewhere around 70 or 80 years, every generation has something. Maybe it was World War II. Maybe it was a Great Depression. Maybe, you know what I mean? Like every, every you just have hurdles mm -hmm. that you have to deal with. And this is our hurdle. Yes. So we got to deal with it. And, and there's no point in pretending that we can't deal with it because of course we can. We can. Of course we can. And of course we will get to the other side. The question is what kind of memories and what kind of person are we as we walk through that other side? I know for sure. that, I know for me as I, I uh, move into the holiday season and beyond, I challenge people to ask themselves, what kind of person at the end of the day of that, this particular day, what do you want to have said that you carried with you throughout the day? Is it a hopeful attitude? Is it a kind attitude? Is it helpful? Is it polite? Is it uh, more talkative if you're a quiet person or less or more of a listener if you're not? These are the things that we can control, the things that we walk around with every single day. And it helps us grow as individuals. And that's been kind of my challenge to so many people that gives us so much more confidence when we're able to realize, look, I can't control everything around me. Guess what? I never could anyway. We never were controlling everything anyway if we thought we were. And now is the time when we can really decide how we are going to be. The great illusion. Control is the great illusion. <laughs> Isn't it though? And I noticed, okay, I didn't realize this until when we first met, I kind of thought, all right, he's out there doing this solution-focused approach in a big way. But you've done a lot of work with couples as well, haven't you? Yes. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that because that's another thing that's been a brand new challenge for many parents of saying we need to cooperate in a brand new way moving forward. So I've written two books about it, uh, about using the solution-focused approach with couples. And I, I think solution-focused brief therapy with couples is just the same as with anything else. It's a shift to a focus on capacities and outcomes. Okay. Um, and I often think in relationships um, and we all do it. Like I'm not, you know, it's something we all do, but we all kind of try to make our partner be who we want them to be instead of trying to make the relationship get us where we're hoping to go. Oh. And I, and I think that, that our life, and it, you know, what's funny is we date like this, right? Like when we go out on dates, we talk about like, so where do you want to live? And like, What's like your dream job? You know what I mean? Like we, we do this like future pacing. Yes. But after we've been married for 10 years, we stop doing it. Huh. And I, I think part of what we need to do, like, are, are you in a relationship? Can I ask absolutely. you more personal Yes, questions? absolutely. I've been married many years. Okay. I, if you, if you talk to your partner, like uh, here, here's my challenge to you. Here's my challenge to everybody listening, really. Do it. Yeah. If you talk to your partner, for 24 hours, I want you to commit to talking to them about the future. Okay. Like say to your partner, because it's easy to do when we're 20, because we're like, so what job do you want to have? And what career do you want to have? And what dream, what, what would you like to have in your dream house? Like, that's what we say, right? But then when we've been married and, you know, I'm 44 years old, we've been married forever. Um, but go talk to them about like, hey, you know what? What do you want to, 
what's like your ideal way to spend retirement? Or, you know, if we could go take a trip when this pandemic is over, what would be the one place on earth you'd want to spend a week with me? You know what I mean? Like have conversations deliberately about the future for 24 hours and I'll bet you a dollar it'll, it'll impact the way that you see your partner and it'll have an impact your relationship. The problem is we don't tend to do that in our forties, but we do it very naturally as, as young people. Or even in our thirties. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's common that the thirties get really, uh, families move are moving fast through their 30s. If they started their family, I mean, everyone, let's say they started their family sometime in the beginning of their 30s, we'll just say. Things start to move really, really fast. And once that moves fast and kids enter the equation and another day rolls by, um, I think that's exactly what ends up losing is that even when they go on a date, they're like, hmm, what do we talk about? Now we're not with the kids. Where do we, where, right. where do we go from right. here? You know? That's right. Like you, we often go on a date and we're like, hey, did you pay the bill last week? Right. Uh, you know, and we don't, we don't say like, look at how beautiful your eyes are. Yeah. We don't, we like, Step it is my, like the, the, the husband's job. This is going to sound like a weird way to say it, but like the husband's job is to make the spouse not even husband, but one partner versus one partner, right? Like, okay. like my job as a partner is to make the other partner feel like a human again. Right. Like not just mom, not just dad, not just employee, but like make me feel alive, make me feel young, energetic, sensual even. Like, yeah. but, but what happens is we have, we have three kids and I'm just dad and, and mm-hmm. you're just mom or, you know what I mean? Like, but one partner's job is to remind the other partner that, yeah, your dad and your, or your mom or your employee or employer or whatever, but you're also like a living, breathing, energetic human being. Yeah. You're also amazing because vibrance. of who you are. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. You, you enjoy laughter and you enjoy um, things that have nothing to do with the context of those other roles in which you play. And I think, I think we need to remind each other on those dinners we go on, on those walks. I'm not going for a walk with mom slash dad. I'm not going for a walk with, I'm going for a walk with like my partner's heart. Right. And we, we are the carer of your partner's heart. We spend our thirties just being like mom or dad, or, you know, those roles become all encompassing Yeah. and we have to have a way of of uh, pulling that apart a bit. Right. And I'm reminded of a, um, a couple that I was working with recently that have a couple of kids and the mother has been at home as she was before, but because of the pandemic, the role that she's playing at home is so intense and they never leave the home that she just cried out to her husband at one point and was like, I have to get out of here. I have to just get out. I have to do something different. If I help another kid with their online homework, I feel like my head's going to explode. And guess what? The husband took that hard because he was like, man, I'm out there every day working my butt off for you, basically. And then you just want to get out? Like, why would you say that? And see how the disconnect of communication can happen that quick when right. when very well, there's a. it just dawned on me as we were talking and that memory popped up because it was very well that she was speaking to that person saying, I just want to feel 
like human. I don't want to feel like this person that's trapped at home doing schoolwork right now. Right. right. And then the communication just adjusted so slightly can move that couple towards closeness rather towards rather than polarizing them at that moment. That's right. It's so important. And um, that's kind of why I was interested in talking to you about it, because I think that families can go one of those two ways. They can choose to have their defenses up because this has been tough on all of us, or they can choose to take that approach you say, and you know what, let's, let's, let's up the ante of the love. Let's up the, um, the amount that we're giving rather than let the woes of the world weigh us down. Um, because our kids are driving us crazy or whatever it might be, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. Um, specifically though, um, I dealing with being a school counselor, sometimes parents have a hard time being on the same page about their child. And I was wondering if in any of your couples work or anything that you do, do you have any advice or thoughts that might pop into your mind about helping parents be able to be on the same page towards helping their kid be their best self? So I actually, I actually don't think that people have a hard time being on the same page about their kids. I think people have a hard time being on the same page about how to get their kids where they want to get them. Okay. So that's a good I would adjustment. say, right. So I would say always talk about what you're trying to achieve not how you're trying to achieve it. Okay. The arguments we typically have are not about what we want our children to become. The arguments are about how to best have that happen. Mm -hmm. So we need to spend more time talking about the overall big picture outcome and less time talking about the pathway. Okay. And that right away will release all of those tit for tat little things because we both, right. in most every case, even parents that are divorced want the same outcome for their child when if absolutely absolutely i i have almost i mean that's the power of outcomes i can't think of a single time where i talk to parents who disagreed about the outcomes they wanted they just disagree about how to get the kiddos there yes and and we have to spend more time excuse me talking about outcomes and what we're hoping to achieve and less time talking about the ways in which to achieve it yeah well I always leave my listeners with a solution-focused exercise, solution-focused inspired exercise. And I think that you hit on a great one. For 24 hours, I'm going to challenge myself and the listeners to talk to their family members, their spouse specifically, and then to their other family members about what they hope for the future and what they uh, see as their future self and what they dream about. And like you said, what would they, what would be a wonderful trip? And I want to challenge each and every person that listens to this for their solution focused exercise this week is just to take one 24 hour period to choose to talk to their loved ones in that manner. And just let, let me know what happens. Just let me know the results. It's going to be powerful. 100% will. <laughs> and I thank you for that because I was going to ask you, hey, let's brainstorm about it. But then, you know, you brought it up right then and there. So let's just put it out, right? <laughs> I love it. I love it. And, um, and even that, I think it will be infectious because for us, when I found, and probably you have too, when we start a practice and it produces positive results, it makes us want to keep that up and keep moving in that direction. 
And, uh, and I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with me and talk about these important subjects. Because Absolutely. in thank my opinion, yeah, there's just nothing more important than strengthening the family. Um, Agreed. You know, our families can be attacked from so many different levels. And, uh, and our kids can be pulled in so many different directions when they're looking on the internet and they're seeing a version of success or, or failure. And then coupled with so many things that parents might be doing that they just are stuck and they need to come out of it. And it's conversations that we're having here that people can listen to where people, people can begin to say, you know what, it's not scary that there's something different. It might seem counterintuitive to what I normally do, but let's give it a shot. Let's give looking at things through a different lens a shot. Um, what would you say to our, what would, what would be something that you would leave our parents with as they move into the new year? What would you tell a group of parents? If they were sitting in front of you right now, what would you tell them as they move into 2021 that would help them to be able to try out these approaches with an open heart? Um, I would say, so 2020 hit us all kind of hard and, and rocked us a little bit because it had so many unexpected events occur. Um, but I would say still allow yourselves to dream about 2021 because uh, the tendency as you talk to your kids, the kids are going to be like, I want 2021 to be amazing. And the tendency will be like, well, let's just be prepared in case it's not. Allow them to dream a, about a brilliant and bright 2021. That's beautiful. All right. I'm going to do that as well. And you too. We're all going to be in this together, dreaming big and dreaming about a sol the solid, bright future that we know is there. Absolutely. <laughs> well, let, why don't you remind our listeners where they can find you? Because I know they're going cool. to want to find you. Yep. You, the, the easiest place and mostly for profession, professionals. But if you find me on my website, which is elliotconnie.com, E-L-L-I-O-T-T, uh, Connie.com. And uh, you can also find my podcast, which is called The Details with Adam Connie and uh, Elliot Connie and Adam Froer. Yes. And you can find that on all places where podcasts are available, like Apple Podcasts and Spotify and all of them. Uh, you can find my podcast as well. Okay, let's pause. What's it? What's what's the name of the podcast again? Because we're we're podcasters here. Let's. <laughs> the name let's, of the let's podcast pause right is there. <laughs> the details. With details. Elliot Connie and Adam Froer. Oh my gosh. I'm going to write that in the show notes, guys. So if you scroll down, I don't want you to forget because what a wonderful thing for us to do is jump on over, take a listen. I can tell you guys that um, Elliot and Adam, they have a great, uh, you guys have been friends for so long that yeah, right away you can tell that the conversation flows so nicely. You guys are great to listen to and you hit on the subjects that are happening in the world today and then bring a solution focused approach to it. Much like what some of the things that we do here with our families. So um, yeah, absolutely. Head over there guys. I think you're going to love it. The details with Elliot and Adam, right? Brilliant. Yep. All right. And, uh, and let's keep in touch. I just, I mean, you know, you're, you're crossed over there on the Atlantic. I'm on the Pacific. Let's, let's, you know, just keep working on both sides and <laughs> help everyone to have, have these let's, attitudes. Let's, let's stay in touch for sure. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Elliot. Okay. All right. Thank you. And if you want to hear more about Elliot Connie, look him up. 
He's on almost all the social media platforms, and on LinkedIn, he even puts out little vignettes. Now, like he talked about, his specialty is working with clinicians, and he also works with couples. Um, But as you can see, it's great to glean from all of his wisdom, and his website will be in the show notes. And another thing to draw your attention to in the show notes is my link to the Big Life Journal. I'm an affiliate partner with the Big Life Journal because they provide journals for kids that help them learn resilience. And this product is something that I use in my coaching. And in this podcast, you've heard me use many examples of the things in there, but they have so many products besides just the journals. And I really encourage you to look into it because in this year to come, all of our children are going to need to be able to have tools to move forward with uh, this world, whatever is going to stand in front of them. We want them to have resilience, confidence, strength, and it starts from the inside out. And you can give them that gift. There's some great sales going on using my affiliate link will allow you to support this podcast at no extra cost to you. And so I encourage you to go to my website and you can see the link there under the Big Life Journal tab or at the bottom of the homepage at thefocusedmindset.com. Or you can just click on the helpful links that I'm going to leave in the show notes on this podcast. And don't forget your solution-focused exercise. You are going to take a period of time and talk to your loved ones especially in particular with your uh, significant other about positive future thinking. You're going to leave all of the icky stuff out of your conversation if it comes to problems and bills and all of that. And you're going to start talking about what are you dreaming about? What do you want for the future? What's something you'd really love to accomplish? Think of all kinds of really great questions and just start throwing it out there. I can't wait to see what a difference it's going to make. And then let me know. Email me at sharethefocusedmindset.com and let's talk about this. And it's time for us to get out there and do just that. So until next time, keep in touch and take care.